Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in to Monday edition of the program. It is National Championship Day. Some great basketball over the weekend. And it's a good day. It's an exciting night. I, I hope it's a good game. I think Connecticut is the big favorite. But it's also a sad day because it marks the end of what has been a terrific season. And we officially, I know Indiana's been in off-season mode now for a couple weeks. But after tonight's National Championship game, we officially enter off-season mode. We've got a lot of talk coming up about transfer portals and recruiting and travel basketball and different things like that, but very little when it comes to the actual on-the-court stuff between now and really next November. It's kind of sad to think about, but football and other seasons and a chance to get into some other topics uh, ahead of us, and uh, let's hope for a good national championship tonight. I think Connecticut, if they can hang on and win it, will be quite the story. They have got hot at the right time and are riding this big wave. It is amazing how they have won these games, including the Miami game on Saturday night, the nightcap of the two national semifinals. But they're not just winning games in the tournament. They are really dominating uh, almost every facet of the game and playing some great basketball. On the other hand, San Diego State, I thought was very fortunate uh, to get to the national championship game. Just the FAU, the Dusty May story, amazing to see what that team was able to get done as well. And I thought for so much of that game, my goodness, Coach May and this small Florida Atlantic team from the bottom of the Conference USA as far as uh, facilities and jobs and budget and so many of those things go, uh, obviously, uh, Definitely um, just a crazy, a crazy deal for sure. So uh, pretty neat, pretty special for them. I hope we can get Dusty May with us. Uh, I know it was very tough during the tournament run. He had a lot of media obligations, but hope we're able to get him with us here in the coming weeks. He's been on this show before, and uh, it would be neat to talk with him uh, as a Final Four coach as well and get him back in front of a Southern Indiana audience as well. So we'll work on that. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one here in just a few moments. We've got our headlines of the day. We'll get you set for the national championship game tonight. Some good news, more postseason awards. This is a big one for Trace Jackson Davis. We'll talk about that. And also a little bit of a concerning note on Coach Bob Knight. He was entered uh, into the hospital in Bloomington on Friday 
and uh, we hope for a recovery, a quick recovery from him, but we'll also mention Coach Knight here in the opening segment today. Uh, Later on, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. He's with us Monday. Zach is the beat writer for the Hoosiers, and he's going to join us to talk about the latest in uh, IU basketball and the transfer portal. There's some activity out there on that front as well, so we'll get into that today with Zach, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on the national championship game as well. And then later in the show, Chad Gilbert, he's the athletic director at Charlestown High School. He's a member of the IHSAA executive board, and he's always with us Mondays. We talk a lot of local sports. We talk a lot of basketball, and I'm sure that we'll do both today when Chad is with us here on the program. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in. Take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Bake Tam in New Albany. Uh, don't forget, the Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Great day to get in with your thoughts on the national championship game, your thoughts on Indiana's activity in the transfer portal, Anything local you might want to get to, send us in. Here in the off-season, as far as Indiana goes, it really is your time to chime in with questions and comments and help direct the topics of this program. So send me a text at 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy, cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, especially on a Monday, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's, and let's take a look at some of the headlines here on this Monday edition of the program. From the transfer portal, first off, Caleb Love, a big name in the portal from North Carolina. Indiana recruited him out of high school. Coach Woodson and the coaching staff in Indiana They now have a Zoom meeting scheduled with Caleb Love. So a lot of schools after him. He's one of the big names. Seems to be a love-hate relationship with him by North Carolina fans. Almost reminds me of a Devontae Green kind of guy. Not in his game necessarily, but either the fans really love him or the fans dislike him. And then sometime he plays so good out of his mind that even the fans that maybe don't like him uh, love him. So he is somebody to watch in this portal that could be a big off-season addition for sure. And then from a recruiting perspective, we're getting ready to get into the AAU season and travel basketball slowly beginning to get started across the country. There's a a live period coming up in April, so we'll see who Indiana's after uh, as far as high school players go when we get to that point later this month. But a big note, Indiana in the final five for Jaden Mustaf. He's from the class of 2024. He's got Virginia Tech, Miami, North Carolina State, and Florida State, along with Indiana. So a lot of ACC flavor for uh, Mustaf uh, in Indiana, the only Big Ten school there. You know, these players now, they have such large list of schools. This is both high school players and players out of the portal that until they trim their list of five or four schools, I may make note of them and may kind of watch their their development and what I see about them on social media and other places. But until somebody's in your final five or four, it's you know just crazy how this recruiting stuff goes nowadays. So he definitely seems to be a name to watch in the 2024 class. He's six foot six. He's from the D.C. metro area. Played uh, high school ball at uh, Carmel Christian in North Carolina. 
And again, he's got the Hoosiers in his final five, someone to watch as far as high school players go. And I feel like, I know it's going to get different here as we get into the spring, but I feel like right now, high school recruiting, as far as Indiana and colleges go, is kind of a forgotten thing. I really didn't think much about recruits in the Big Ten and IU for next year until the McDonald's All-American game popped up on the radar last week because since the season has ended, it's really been all about the transfer portal. Who's coming, who's going, uh, just so many headlines around that that it's interesting to see some of the recruiting things that I used to focus so much on and I feel like fans wanted to talk about, especially when a season came to an end and you were thinking about the future, uh, they're just maybe not as important. And I guess that's probably how high school players and prospects feel that <clears throat> the transfer portal has dominated so many of the headlines and that's where coaches go first to get some of these big names. And so, my goodness, the way that – uh, the recruiting process has changed in recent years, not just with NIL and some rule changes and things of that nature, but with the transfer portal. It's amazing to think that just a few short years ago, uh, the high school basketball scene, the AAU scene right now would have been popping, and that would have been where we would have been going. But uh, the transfer portal has added a whole new dynamic to college basketball. Also a big award for Indiana senior Trace Jackson Davis. I think this is his biggest by far yet. He's the Carl Malone Power Forward of the Year. It was announced over the weekend. He leaves Indiana as the school's all-time leading rebounder, also the all-time leading shot blocker, and he's number three on the IU all-time scoring list. So just a tremendous career uh, from him, no question about it. The Naismith men's starting five, so Trace would be the Power Forward winning the Carl Malone Award. Marquise Noel, we all remember his name here from the last few weeks with Kansas State. He would be the Bob Cousy Award winner, the point guard. Marcus Sasser at Houston. Of course, he had some great games in the uh, tournament. The Jerry West Award for shooting guard. Jalen Wilson at Kansas, the Julius Irving Award small forward. And Zach Eady from Purdue, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award for the nation's best center. So the Big Ten Conference with two in TJD and Eady, who were basically talked about all season long when it came to the Big Ten Player of the Year race. And in some conversations, the National Player of the Year race as well. Uh, also, Rick Bozich with a report this morning. Uh, he obtained an email that was sent out to some former Indiana men's basketball players that Bob Knight, of course, the Hall of Fame coach who retired from Indiana, was hospitalized over the weekend. In fact, he went into the hospital on Friday night. The It doesn't say who the email is from, but it says, Prayers for Coach Knight. Dear men's basketball alumni, please join us in sending prayers to Coach Knight and his family. Coach Knight was admitted to the hospital Friday evening and is currently recovering from an acute illness. The family's hope is to have him back home soon. So let's hope and pray that Coach Knight could get back to his home in Bloomington. And uh, gosh, uh, what a, a, a scene it has been uh, just to know he's back at practices uh, on a weekly basis, it seemed. This season, he would stop by for a visit with Coach Woodson and the players and uh, kind of neat to see some of those photos and I think maybe an occasional video of that. But uh, neat that Bob Knight is back in Bloomington, that is for sure. National championship game tonight. Well, I think it could be a good game, but I'm going to side with most everybody that I've seen and pick Connecticut to win the championship. They are just playing 
so absolutely well. In fact, I was reading a story on CBS Sports earlier this morning that said Final Four predictions or national championship predictions. Every expert there, every college basketball expert that they polled, which I think was six of them, all had Connecticut winning tonight. Uh, absolutely. So um, definitely be interesting to see how it goes. But boy, Connecticut is playing great basketball, clicking at all cylinders. And Coach Hurley, what a name in basketball. I don't remember him too much as a player at Seton Hall. I sure remember his brother at Duke. And that family, of course, his dad, a legendary high school basketball coach up east. And uh, just amazing to see what he has been able to accomplish at Connecticut and learn more about him. And I told somebody this the other day. I think the saddest part for me, seeing the college basketball season come to an end tonight, isn't even the national championship game or the fact that we won't have college basketball for a number of the months ahead. It's that this is the last Final Four for Jim Nance. This is the last college basketball season for Jim Nance, and he has just been a legend behind the mic, so classy, he's a great storyteller, and some of the tributes that went out to him before and during the Final Four, the semifinal games on Saturday were just awesome and really added to the broadcast and to the day, but as he wraps up tonight, gosh, he's always got the perfect call for the end of the game. I wonder if he spends time preparing for that, uh, depending on who wins, what he's going to say, but just amazing uh, how he's able to navigate through those live broadcasts and the insight that he brings. And what a great crew for the Final Four and the National Championship Games. It'll be great to still have him on golf, but boy, we will miss him from a college basketball perspective next year. That is for sure. Uh, Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Now is a great time to get in your questions on IU, the transfer portal, whatever it may be for Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star because he's going to join us in the next segment. Texter says, in a coach question mark. I guess you're asking me if I know who the next New Albany coach is. I do not, but have been told they're very close to an announcement. So we will find out soon who is going to replace 25-year veteran Jim Shannon in one of the more important basketball posts in our state especially in southern Indiana. So it'll be really interesting to see who the next boss of the Bulldogs is. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join. We'll have a conversation on IU and college hoops, including the national championship game tonight. Also, still ahead, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown AD, IHSA executive board member. We'll talk local sports, spring sports underway, some baseball, played over the weekend some good baseball from some of our local teams and we'll get into basketball stuff with chad i'm sure stay with us this is the hoosier report with matt dennison back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Monday edition of the program. Zach Osterman 
of the Indianapolis Star joins us each week in this segment. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, that number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Zach, a lot of talk about the transfer portal right now. Peyton Sparks has already come to Indiana from the portal, but right now probably no bigger name than Caleb Love of North Carolina. There seems to be some mutual interest between IU and Love and his father, and in fact a Zoom meeting I've seen has been set up between the two parties very soon as well. So Caleb Love, a big name in college basketball and would be a big splash here out of the portal if Indiana can find a way to get him landed. Yeah, I mean, and I think Indiana obviously has a need, it's worth saying, for a player like Caleb Love. Now, I think there's there's some pieces to Love's game that are maybe more appealing than others. Obviously, he was an incredibly high volume shooter. Um, I'm having trouble remembering the last time Indiana had a player on on its roster under any coach who took 244 threes in a single season. Um, and Love only hit 29.9% of those threes. So there would definitely have to be, number one, you'd like to see him improve as a three-point shooter, although he was a better one the year before uh, than he was last year. He, should, he, he hit 36% of even higher number because North Carolina played deeper into the season, 258 threes as a sophomore. Um Excuse me. Um, on the other hand, though, you, there, there's other elements to Caleb Love's game that I think you would like if you're Indiana. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Uh, he does not foul a lot. Um, he finished 20th in the in the ACC in conference play last season in fouls drawn for 40 minutes and 25th in free throw rate, which are both solid numbers, especially when you consider how many jumpers he was taking. Um Again, I think his role would have to be redefined at Indiana. I don't think Indiana would, would want him or ask him or, or, or you know, sort of empower him to take. If you, if you sit down and do the math, he attempted 497 field goals last season. I don't think Indiana would do that if you want. I mean, like, by comparison, Grace Jackson Davis, who was such a high-usage player for Indiana last season, obviously only on twos, but still only attempted 450. Jalen Hood-Shafino only attempted, uh, if I'm doing the math correctly here, 403. And those were two guys that had, you know, were taking 28 and 26.2% of available shots when they were on the floor. Those were not, you know, average usage players. But, you know, we've seen a lot of Indiana being linked to guys that we would consider more wings and forwards, Jamison Battle, Chris Ledlam. You mentioned Peyton Sparks. Caden Shedrick is, is still very much, I think, in the frame at this point. There is a needed guard as well. You know, you've lost Jalen Huchavino. Um, Jamar Bates has entered the transfer portal. You're going to bring in a couple freshman guards, but you probably don't want to count on them too much. You don't want to ask too much of them before you're sure what they can handle. They may be ready for big minutes this season. We'll see. But in the meantime, you need to solidify that guard rotation with veterans, and obviously Caleb Love would be, as you said, a, a big name to land. The transfer portal continues to amaze me, Zach. Uh, almost every hour there seems to be a new entrant and Hunter Dickinson of Michigan was one of the surprise uh, entries into the transfer portal world late last week or maybe even over the weekend I can't remember exactly it's amazing to me how this has changed college basketball it's changed high school recruiting Um, it's changed the timeline for some of those things and it's really I guess if there's a positive to it and I know that that could be up for debate but uh, it is kept you thinking about your team, whoever that may be for next season, 
because of all the announcements where players are coming, players are going. Uh, it's really kind of spiced things up here for April, a time normally when we're getting away from college hoops and getting into recruiting and thinking about spring football and other things like that. So the transfer portal, my goodness, it's added a whole other layer to what you cover as the beat writer of the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, and this is, I don't know, this is a bit of a, this is a bit of a tin pot theory, forgive me. Um, but I actually think there is an extent to which it's, it's kind of forcing, I don't want to say it's forcing coaches to coach again like they weren't before. Um, but I think that, I think that it, it is requiring coaches to invest more in their players than in maybe the perception of their program at times. And that may be harsh a little bit, but I do, I I mean, I have written at times that I think that college basketball coaching has gotten too performative in recent years. We've strayed away from, you know, a time when half of the best, the, 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 the top 10 coaches in the sport in America would be considered to be college coaches and a time when college basketball was sort of a hotbed of innovation and experimentation the way college football very much has been in the last 20 to 25 years for the NFL. The NFL may be seen as the pinnacle of the sport, but a lot of the innovation and a lot of the weird stuff and a lot of the tinkering and let's just try this to see what happens and how it works, a lot of that's still happening in college. That, that equilibrium has become very unbalanced between college basketball and the NBA. I think the portal is maybe – forcing more coaches back to the table to say, how do I invest in my players? How do I develop them to get better? How do I do something distinctive that helps me win, that keeps guys invested? Because the other thing you find is that if you don't do those things, it's A, it's easier for obviously your players to leave if they just feel like they're not appreciated or they're not getting what they were promised or whatever. B, the other piece of it um, is, and I think we've seen this, you know, the NCAA tournament, Miami's a great example. I know everybody talked about Miami and NIL and the whole thing with Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong. But listen, look at what Miami's been able to do by closing gaps in its roster in the portal. However it did that, it, it, you know, Nigel Pack, Norchad O'Meara, Jordan Miller, all players that, that started their careers somewhere else and then came to, to Miami, if, if you're not going to be the sort of coach that does you know, kind of invest and work hard and, and try to be more invested on the, on the, the, the development, the system, the innovation side of things, you're going to lose guys and you're also going to get, you're also going to struggle to beat the guys that are, quite frankly, being willing to make those changes and, and you know, tinker with and experiment. Jim Laranega's in his 70s and he's still evolving as a head coach you can see the difference in his Miami rosters and things like that I just I'm not saying it's universally great for the sport there are problems there are things that need to address there are you know growing pains the system kinks that we need to iron out um but I I actually do think the portal quietly is breathing some fresh air into college basketball beyond just sort of the oh well it's allowing a little bit more parity because some teams can get more experienced guys, and suddenly they're a little bit closer to the top of the food chain. I think that's part of it. But I actually also think it is it is kind of requiring coaches to put up or shut up a little bit more um, than maybe we were we, we were asking of them five, ten years ago. All right, Zach, 
getting back to the portal from an IU perspective, there were a couple, I guess you could call them key departures last week in Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo, both announcing they are at least going to enter the portal. I know there were some meetings, apparently, as you would expect, postseason meetings with the coaching staff. So you would think that if there was any kind of urgency to it, that shortly after your meeting, you would have a stance of what's ahead, what your role is for the future, what the coaching staff sees at this moment. And that would give you an opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to stick it out here. I want to be here. or I may flirt around here and enter the transfer portal. That said, do you feel like there could still be some other exiting from Bloomington? Could there be some other Hoosiers on the roster from this past season that just haven't announced yet that they're going to hit the portal? Is that still a possibility? I think it's always a possibility, certainly. Um, I, I would say that I wouldn't expect anything. And, and you know, to, to be clear, it's not like there was sort of this, like, working brief that, was going around at the end of the regular season. These were the Indiana players that were going to go in the portal or, or they were spreading it around or anything. You know, it, it, it's not that overt. But you can look at playing time and you can look at, you know, roles and how they change. And, you know, maybe you can forecast a little bit with a team like Indiana, which is obviously, I think, going to, to pretty dramatically overhaul how it plays because it's not going to have this sort of high usage um, you know, huge involvement post player next year. So it's going to have to basically change. It's, it's almost its focal points. It's, it's most important spots on the floor. Um, and you can, you know, you can make some assumptions. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say I, I would have flatly expected all three of the guys that went into the portal to go in the portal. But I don't think you were shocked by any of them, I guess, in, in, in different ways. You know, anybody else departing at this point, I would be surprised to be honest with you. Um, that doesn't mean it won't happen. You never say never in recruiting. We all know that. Um, but I, I, I would just say that if you sort of ask me who are the likeliest candidates for Indiana to lose to the portal uh, once the offseason gets started, they're already in. And, and so it's kind of from here, it feels like it's, it's probably going to be more focused on incomings than outgoings for IU unless something changes. And can you help us get an idea with some of the departures, whether it's transfer portal or graduation or Trace Jackson Davis uh, graduating as a senior, not taking the extra year of eligibility he had left. How many potential, how much potential room is there for new additions to this program in the off season? It used to be pretty neat and clean to keep up with seniors and scholarships in each class and how many you had open for recruiting. But now with COVID years and different eligibility rules and the transfer portal, it's, I don't know how you keep up with all of it. Yeah, I mean it's tricky, um, and I can I can just kind of give you a snapshot of it if you want. But if you look at next year, Indiana's currently got nine players projected to be on scholarship for next season. One of those is Xavier Johnson, who has yet to hear, at least as, as much as anyone's acknowledged publicly, about his his uh, his waiver to get his sixth year. Um, I stand by what I've said for a long time that it doesn't seem like he fits the the requirements for that. But in my experience. Schools don't pursue those things unless they're confident they have a good case. So I can't guarantee he's going to get it, but I, I, you know, I think Indiana, you know, has a, a high degree of confidence that it has a, a compelling case. So let's assume for the moment he's on the roster um, next season. He will be the only sort of last year player in terms of there will be no, assuming he gets his waiver, no eligibility remaining for him after that. There are nine total players, including him, on scholarship for next season. So Indiana right now has four more scholarships for next season to play with. And then you've got, if you go forward to 2025, 
you've got you'll have three quote unquote seniors. One would be Peyton Sparks, who doesn't have a COVID year because he came in his freshman year of college was 2021-2022, which was after the COVID year. So he doesn't have one available. The other two would be Trey Galloway and Anthony Leal, who do, because their freshman year was the year where everybody played through COVID and there were no fans and the NCAA just said you can have all that back. Now, where it gets kind of confusing is, for example, when you take Peyton, uh, not Peyton, Peyton Sparks, excuse me, and you, you sit him in that same class next to Trey Galloway and Anthony Leal, and, but you realize that they have a, their, their eligibility situations are different. They'll expire at the same time, but the situations themselves are different. And then you go to like a, a player like Chris Ledlam, and I haven't gotten that because obviously he's a, he's a Harvard transfer. He's forward, uh, unanimous first-team All-Ivy League last year. He's clearly a, a priority target for Indiana in the portal. I haven't been able to get a clean answer on exactly how many years of eligibility he has left because he had four. He spent four years at Harvard. His sophomore year was the COVID season when the Ivy League did not compete. He has at least one more year because he just has only played three years of basketball. At least in the spirit of the COVID rule, he should have two more years. But I don't think anybody's completely sure yet how the NCAA is going to see Ivy League players who didn't who, who didn't just not you know had crowds or had a weird season because of COVID in 2020, 2021, but literally didn't play basketball at all. Nobody's really sure how that works. So I'm sure Indiana's got a firm handle on it. And, of course, these are numbers that are going to be a lot more sort of, you know, probably a lot more sort of gospel in terms of, I bet, if we went and asked Kenya Hunter, for example, he'd be able to tell you, well, this is how many we got and how many we expect. And, you know, we're pursuing this transfer. We know he's got this many years left. We know he's got this many years left, all that. But for you and me, it is a little bit uh, confusing. The, the cleanest way to say it is Indiana's got four spots open for next season, and for the and, and unless Xavier Johnson doesn't get his waiver, then they'd have five. And they've got five open for the season following that if you are going to take some guys that project out more than one year because, of course, some transfers only have one year left to play. Zach got a text on the text line. Uh, when will we find out, when could we find out, status of Xavier Johnson on that waiver for next season? I would expect it to be fairly soon. Um, it's not going to happen until after the season is over. So obviously, the, and, and that's kind of true for a lot of things. Like like right now, for example, also the transfer period is we're in a dead period of the transfer portal cycle. Um, there will be a wave of visits, I expect, in the days following the championship game tonight. Um, the the you know a lot of the stuff like waiver discussions and appeals and things like that that stuff happens in the off season. On the other hand, my understanding on that process has always been that there is a level of expediency to it because everyone understands that the program needs an answer. So, for example, the portal window closes the the, the current window is open. It closes May 11th. It's not fair to anybody involved, whether it's Xavier Johnson who needs to know whether he's coming back for another year of college. Or when he's done in May, he's done and he just needs to move on with, make plans to move on with life. Or it's Indiana trying to project out what its roster looks like for next season, what its scholarship situation is for next season, and what it needs if it does or doesn't have Xavier Johnson. Everyone understands that delaying that decision would kind of basically be unfair to everyone. The, the, the best recent analogy is Jordan Bohannon, who I think got his decision on May 12th. But it's worth remembering that was 2020. And, of course, we all remember, or maybe it's a blur to all of us to some extent, but um, everything shut down in March 2020 and really didn't start. We, we weren't even figuring out how to do, like, Zooms and, 
you know, and, and build things up and, and how to work remotely in a really sort of like day-to-day streamlined business as, as normal as possible kind of way until probably, what, mid-late April. So, you know, while Bohannon didn't get his decision until mid-May, my guess is that process probably only took a, a week or two. It just came later because everything was delayed by COVID. So um, that is a long-winded way of saying I would expect it fairly soon. I, I can't give you an exact date insofar in as I know that the process as it stands right now, but I, I would be surprised if, for example, we're still sitting here at the end of the month um, waiting for the, the Xavier Johnson decision. Yeah, absolutely. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us. Zach, want to get your thoughts on the national championship game tonight. Are you in the majority, it seems, that thinks UConn is headed to a crown tonight? And do you think San Diego State, who's been hot, can keep it close? So I think I just got something dropped off on my porch and my dog is barking. Um, <laughs> you know, it, I, I, it is just hard to see past a UConn team that has scored at least 70 points in every one of its games since February 22nd. Um, you know, and I, I bring that up because San Diego State is is just not a very high-scoring team. Um, and I, I don't mean to reduce things to something as basic as points, but San Diego State has scored in the 70s three times in this tournament. Um, the last time before the tournament started they scored in the 70s was on February 25th. Um, and a win at New Mexico. San Diego State wins with defense. They they win with rebounding. They're very tough. Um, they're they're very smart. They've got their system. It works really well under Brian Dutcher, who of course took over for um, Steve Fisher, and, and that you know that that program has been really successful for a really long time. You know this. I know they're not the highest seed in the world, but I mean you know this is the second time in four years they've won thirty games in a season. Um, it's the third time since 2014 they've done that. You know, in the last four years, and I'm just trying to pay them some, some proper respect here, I suppose, um, but in the last four years they've won 106 basketball games. That's really good. Having said that, UConn just overwhelms everybody with their athleticism. So, you know, Sonogo and Klingon, two very different players, but that almost makes it harder because you can't really defend the post one way. They've got big guards. They can knock down threes. They're top ten in the country in both offensive and defensive efficiency. They have, you know, I mean, it, it, uh, it's, it's stuck out to me because, you know, the, the place we talk about most often, Indiana, often likes to brag about having one of the most dominant tournament runs in NCAA history, that 81 team. I forget what their average margin of victory was, but it was, I think, like the second highest in the history of the NCAA tournament, they, they, they blew teams away in that NCAA tournament. Not one of those games was decided by single digits. UConn is on that kind of run. They, you know, they beat Iona by 24, St. Mary's by 15, Arkansas by 23, Gonzaga by 28. I mean, just an unbelievable beatdown of a good Gonzaga team. And even Miami, as good as Miami was, and it felt like Miami actually was playing well for long stretches of that semifinal, and they still beat them by 13 points. It is just, it's, it is really hard for me to look past UConn in this game in, in any number of ways. I agree. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach, uh, been great to have you on throughout the entire college basketball season. We've got a lot of off-season discussions coming up here. Transfer portal, recruiting, 
football, and more. And I know that you'll be great for us uh, with those as well. Thank you so much for your time each week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me as always. All right. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back and flip the switch on local sports. Chad Gilbert, he's the AD at Charlestown High School, also an IHSAA executive board member. He'll be with us. We'll talk some basketball, some baseball. Of course, I've got to get Chad's pick for tonight's national championship game as well. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, back with you here on this Monday program real quick before we get to Chad. I, I want to admit to go through this earlier. UConn scores in the tournament. They won 87-63 over Iona back on March 17th in the first round. Then 70-55 over St. Mary's of California in the second round. They defeated Arkansas 88-65, Gonzaga 82-54, an absolute destruction of the Zags. Beat a solid Miami team who's been really hot this month as well, 72-59 on Saturday. And of course, their date set tonight a 9.20 p.m. tip. It's a late one, uh, Connecticut and San Diego State for the national championship. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, IHSA Executive Board Member, my guest. Chad, we've got local stuff to get to, but I want to start with your thoughts and your prediction on tonight's big game. Chad, has the game just been outstanding, man? I mean, from first week of games to it all culminates till tonight, uh, just outstanding games, a lot of fun, a lot of good basketball. My goodness. One thing you should take away from this is how important the portal is to college basketball. If you're an unsigned senior right now, good luck. Because that portal is getting lots and lots of hits. And basically, that's what recruiting is going to here after you get past that upper tier. If you're if you're Kentucky and you're Cal and you're still getting that pro player, you know, that McDonald's All-American top five player, you're okay. But if you're not, the portal is where you've really got to hit hard in the spring. Let's look at Auburn, Coach Pro. You know, I got special interest there. They had two guys that made all league. One of them played in Eastern Kentucky and the other one from Moorhead State. So you got two OVC players, Matt, OVC players that made all SEC teams. That just shows you the difference between, one, how old, how much age makes a difference. So, in other words, if you're a freshman in high school, or freshman in college, 18, 19 years old, compared to a redshirt senior who may be 22, 23, 24 years old, and you've been through battles, you've been in the weight room, you've been through the wars, that experience, that maturity, that skill development it's far much greater than what a high school kid has. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, you know, the flip side of that is it's affected the mid-major and even low-major level of Division One because of some big-name recruit 
out of high school does not materialize at a Kentucky or a Big Ten school or an ACC school, they now have the opportunity to enter the portal and drop down to a level where maybe they can be the player that they were supposed to be or strive to be, a, a big score, a, a leading uh, person on that roster. So it's interesting to hear you bring it up. As a high school coach, you coached a number of players boys and girls that went on to play high-level Division I college basketball and uh, different levels of college basketball as well. And if you're a high school coach or someone trying to advise and help a youngster through this process and you're a senior, as you mentioned, and you're uncommitted at this point, and maybe you've got some Division Ones that are flirting with you, but you don't have any solid offers, it's just it's it's got to be stressful and it's sure changed from what it was just a few years ago. Well, you know, not only that, let's think about IU. They picked up a guy from Ball State, you know, and, and and that's like a good get. You think about that back in the day, you know, people didn't go from Ball State to IU. People went from IU to Ball State, and almost like it was transferring down a notch. Where now it's it's an uptick a little bit. So it's crazy how it all works. But I mean, these coaches know what they're looking for. They know how to uh, the type of player they need to fit their system, and they know uh, what's going to make them win. And I, and I think that maturity level, that skill development factor. I think that plays a huge, huge part of it. You know, as you'll see tonight with San Diego State and UConn, you know, UConn's got three pros and uh, San Diego State's got four starters who are I, – I, I guess I saw where San Diego State's starting lineup, there's four or five NBA teams that have younger starting lineups than San Diego State does right now. So you're going to have a maturity factor versus an athletic NBA factor. So I'll be curious how the game will go tonight. I don't see it a blowout, as you, although UConn is very, very talented, very, very good. And a lot of people pick them from the, from the jump. But I just think San Diego State just has a little bit of bang to them, a little bit of it, a little bit of uh, grind, a little bit of toughness, and they're going to make it ugly. You, know, you think about that Alabama team. Alabama was playing as good as anybody going to that second week in the tournament, and they just manhandled them. So tonight will be an interesting game and a lot of fun. Yeah, no question. Chad Gilbert is my guest. Chad, little local stuff. Spring sports are here, and I know now's the time of year where ADs across the area like yourself have their fingers crossed for weather. I know that turf facilities outdoors at some schools has really helped the ability to get in games, but now that we're through spring breaks basically here in the metro area, uh, wall-to-wall spring sports between now and the end of school. It's hard to believe it's early April now. School gets out late May. Uh, baseball, softball, state championships, you know, mid-June. Uh, this thing just rolls and rolls in the spring. It's the quickest of all the seasons to me. It's amazing how quick it uh, it goes once it finally gets here. Being AD, Matt, you got something going on every night for seven weeks. And uh, – it's something, though, that, you know, you adjust, you adapt to. We've had a, a uh, cancellation due to weather and high winds already. Uh, we're supposed to play one tonight. We'll see how it goes. We are very, very blessed at Charlestown High School. We have a lot of people know about our gyms. You know, we light up our football field, our softball field, and our baseball field at basketball games. And we're in the process of getting a new locker room for the football field. And we'll have an outstanding setup there, which we already do, but it'll be a, another level. Our baseball and softball fields are magnificent, Matt. If you have a chance to drive by and just take a look at how everything is, everything's in place, everything's uniform, everything's branded, everything's top-notch of what you can get, that really helps our student-athletes, and that helps us get games in. You know, we are hosting the softball sectional this year, 
and I don't see it being an issue because games are going to grow like a basketball section. We won't have to worry about getting the field ready. We won't have to worry about rain delays. We're rolling. As long as there's no lightning, we're rolling. And uh, Like I said, Charlestown High School is very, very blessed to have these facilities. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, you mentioned the game tonight. Uh, of course, the women's game yesterday. A lot of transfer portal players there for LSU. Uh, I, I've got to go back and talk about Caitlin Clark for just a minute. I know we've got some women's basketball fans, and I know a lot of Indiana fans really got attached this season to Coach Moore and, and the IU women Hoosiers. They had a great year, of course, had some great battles with Iowa. But how about Clark as a former girls coach that, again, coached some really good players, won a state championship. You've seen some really good talent on that side, but she just has something that's a little different, both with her skills, her shooting, and also her personality and just how she operates. You know, just a winner, a competitor, uh, highly skilled. I mean, if you look at her body, very, very, very small body fat. You know, she is just totally ripped, uh, quick as a cat. I mean, her passing instincts are – she drops, she throws passes on ropes, Matt, catches people in strides for layups. Uh, and the passes that does, that she doesn't make, they're the right pass. It's just not catchable. It's, it's the right pass to make. But she's just got a sixth sense about her, almost Steph Curry-like, where she can shoot the ball, get to the rack. If you watch her shoot layups, she shoots it off the wrong foot as well as she does off the correct foot, getting quick shots to the basket and, over, and shooting over people. But that game yesterday was a battle. You want to talk about two teams laying it on the line. LSU just totally banged it out strong inside, worked the boards extremely hard. The girl got hot in the first half and allowed them to get the lead, but the second half was just an absolute war on the inside. And both teams, neither one backed out. True competitiveness, the high competitive game, and the, and the teams involved were just really outstanding. I thought that was as high level of a basketball as we've seen men or women in the tournament and a whole lot of fun to watch. Yeah, no question. Chad Gilbert with me. Chad, as always, thanks for taking a couple moments out on your busy Monday to join us, and we'll talk with you next week. Well, Matt, we got a little bit of time here real quick. Did you see the Jim Nance farewell? And that's one thing I hope people see tonight is this is Jim Nance's last Final Four game, his last championship uh, game. He's going to be replaced, I think, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, Ian Eagle, is that who's going to come yeah. in and do the championship games from now on? Yeah. Take that in tonight. Because you're going to see someone who is just a legend who makes him feel like, you know, that you know him. When you watch these Final Four games, you know, if you don't care about basketball, just watch it for Jim Nance's last game and think about all the memories when you have watched a game when your kids, who you were sitting by, where you were at. And they had a tribute on CBS and to see his reaction and to see all the great games he's called through the years. Matt, it was very touching. Someone like you, who does, you do that same thing for Southern Indiana, Matt. You, when people see you out in restaurants or see you out and about and they talk to you, they feel like you're talking to you over the air. And that's something that Jim Nance, Matt Dennison, you paint a picture that make memories for kids, for parents, for athletic teams go far beyond their years of playing. And that's something that I hope everyone gets to see that. And look look for that Jim Nance thing on YouTube that was for Saturday night. It'll put chills up and down your spine. But that's something that just shows what an important part you play in Southern Indiana sports, and I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you. And, again, Jim Nance is on a whole other level. But, Chad, as I watched that tribute and I saw it live, uh, from a local perspective, I, I thought of 
uh, Charlie Jenkins and how I felt about him and all the mentorship and his style and some of the things that exactly. And so, you know, we all have things in our own world that, that matter. And obviously Jim Nance is a national legend, but boy, Charlie Jenkins and some of the people before me that were way better than me, boy, they are legends to me. And I hope that we can remember them as well. Chad, thank you. Appreciate the run, Matt. Thanks for everything you do for Sunday sport. Thank you very much. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday show. Big national championship game tomorrow. We'll talk about it all Tuesday here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.